You're listening to a podcast from the Swedish House of Finance, Sweden's National Research Center for Financial Economics. This podcast is for everyone with a curiosity for finance and an interest in academic research. To learn more about the Swedish House of Finance, visit houseoffinance.se. to another episode of the Swedish House of Finance podcast. I am Sarah Ottersson, the Head of Communications here at the Swedish House of Finance. And I am Marike Bos. I'm the Deputy Director and I also do research at the Swedish House of Finance. So we're here today to talk about the lack of gender diversity in the financial sector with a special focus on securities markets and what can be done in the financial sector to attract talented women and possibly make some changes to the way we work in the financial industry. Some of you may argue, do we need to talk about that again? And then the answer is yes, we do. Because the research will show that it might be worse than you think. We will dig into the way culture may be playing a big role in why the financial sector looks like it does, and also what roles quotas and KPIs can play in making the securities markets a more level playing field for men and women who would like to work here. During the episode, we will hear five prominent women addressing these questions. Brinny Adams, Professor of Finance at Said Business School and the University of Oxford. Elizabeth Besko, CEO of DMB Bank ASA Sweden branch. Maria Jansson, Head of Markets at Swedbank. Johanna Norberg, Country Manager Sweden at Danske Bank and Lena Österberg, Head of Equity Research at Carnegie. Marieke, could you tell me a bit about your fellow researcher Renee Adams? Who is she and what is her research focused on? Well, Renee Adams, we know here at the Swedish House of Finance for a long time because she used to be assistant professor at CIFR, which is the uh, prelude of the Swedish House of Finance. So she is a professor uh, at Said Business School, uh, Oxford University. And uh, before that, she was professor actually in Australia. So her work focuses on corporate governance and then uh, especially bank governance. She also has some papers on gender issues within finance. And she is also the co-founder of AFFECT, which is a subcommittee within the American Finance Association. And she was the chair of that committee until 2020. So I think that's important in this context. So she, for that purpose, uh, as being the chair of AFFECT, she gathered statistics that was then presented in a presentation every year about female representation in the academic field of finance. So Renee Adams presented new statistics uh, during the event that we organized in the beginning of December. Her main point of the presentation was that the level of representation of women in the financial industry is really driven by the Uh, data that is accessible. So given that it's easier to measure the female representation in bigger firms, we ignore the larger part of the distribution and that is smaller firms uh, and the representation of women in the smaller firms board. Uh, 
And so you draw the wrong conclusion in the sense that you think it's going pretty well with women female representation, but that conclusion is based on the only a small part of the distribution of all the firms. So I'm going to be talking about three important facts. The first one is, um, you know, we all have this sort of sense that women are not represented as much as we think they should be. They're certainly not represented to an equal extent as men in many positions and many sectors. Um, I'm actually going to argue that the problem is much worse than people think it is. Okay, so if you think we have a problem, um, it's actually worse. Um, and uh, the reason that this is important is a lot of times people say, well, you know, I'm tired of this diversity discussion. Why do we have another event about women? Um, can't we move on? And, and actually, no, we can't. Right. So um, the problem is worse. We haven't fixed it. Um, and it's pretty urgent and we need to do more. Um, another important implication is one has to be very careful in interpreting numbers in this debate. Right. So I do not know of any sort of widely circulated diversity survey that does not focus only on large firms. Okay, so of course it's natural. You focus on the large firms because it's easy to measure the large firms, right? So you just get a data set, you say, oh, well, you know, the large firms, um, they're, they're transparent. I can easily figure out what diversity is. Um, sure, it's easy, but it's misleading. And it's misleading in a particular way. They overstate women's representation. So the problem is much worse um, than people say it is. Um, and really, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in thinking about smaller firms. I think Renee's findings are really interesting. And as we said, uh, she presented these to the, the panel of female executives that I mentioned before, uh, when they all joined in a virtual roundtable discussion to discuss what can be done to increase the number of women in the Nordic financial sector. And there's this notion that women don't understand how fun working in the financial sector is, and therefore they don't pursue a career in finance. But could it be that women perfectly understand, but they make an active decision to not want to be part of this environment? And why is that when all women in the roundtable discussion seem unanimous in their love for the job and their workplace? Listen to Johanna. Yes, I, I really think that uh, you are in the midst, or you, if, if you want to do a really impact on society, uh, then the financial industry need, is the place to be. It is in the financial industry where we help companies to grow, we finance co companies to grow, we help lowering the unemployment, we help uh, uh, increasing uh, the, the, the growth of a country. Um, you, you really are an important uh, block in building a society. And it's extremely fun to be in that situation, to really, uh, in the core, make uh, uh, an impact on, 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 uh, on the society. And also when it comes to sustainability, it is in the financial industry where you will make the most impact when it comes to uh, sustainability, because it, it is the finance, financial industry that will help to do the transformation of the society as a whole to, to a more sustainable world. So if you really want to be in the midst of where things are happening, the financial industry is the only way, to, uh, only place to be. So 
If the financial industry, and in particular the securities markets, are so fun to work in, why are there obstacles when trying to attract and attain female talent? And why is it so hard to achieve change? We want to lift two main themes to discuss deeper today, uh, quotas and culture. Marike, could you in short mention the discussion about the need of a broader base to recruit from? Sure. So I must say before I start elaborating that I am very inspired by the statements that uh, Anna Steinberg during another event that the Swedish House of Finance organized one year before in 2019. Uh, in that event, at that event, uh, Anna Steinberg was in a panel and she, to me, had very, very valuable comments. So one of her comments would be that if you strip down the skills that you need for many financial jobs or jobs in the financial sector, it might not be true that you all have to be educated already within the specific financial field. And so her idea is really like, it is counterproductive to always hire a clone of yourself. So you think uh, one should have gone to Handels or one should have gone to KTH, for example, and hence uh, you try to search for the same profile in the job applicants. So my question to the panel was really like, if you could think about the, the true skills that you need what would they look like? So we're getting deeper into this discussion about quotas. Are quotas an effective tool to increase female representation in financial markets? What do you say? Yes, I mean, by definition, it's an effective tool because if the quota is implemented, companies need to adhere to the rule and they will have a larger representation of women because they should fulfill the quotas. Uh, so we can, we can see that quotas, per definition, help to increase diversity. If that is what you are aiming for, then quotas would be effective, right? Absolutely. So Lena Österberg, Head of Sustainability Research, has a comment about this. We've also done uh, a Carnegie uh, in our sustainability research. We look at 350 firms uh, across the Nordics. And what we see is, is, is exactly that, that Norway is uh, way ahead. And that's because they have quotas. Uh, when they implemented it, uh, their uh, share of, of board representation of women uh, increased dramatically. Um, we've seen that Sweden has been steadily increasing. We're now at 40% almost, uh, which is, is very good. And I think one factor that you may want to add to the regression model uh, where we're do doing poorly is um, if you look at share of female CEOs, um, you know, and you compare that we are, you know, it, we look good on board level, but if you look at female CEOs, we look pretty poor. Uh, we're around 8%. Uh, and I think that if you want good board members, you have to start at the management level. You have to increase the share of women in management. You have to have more 
female CEOs because that's where you pick your board members in the end. So Sweden, according to Lena, is apparently doing poorly on management level. Should we invoke quotas or are there more effective ways to increase female CEOs and executive management? Lena also made an interesting remark about how ownership pressure have increased share of women on boards. Well, we see that it's trending in the right direction, as we also saw uh, Renee's charts. And we also see that we are in the top, the absolute top globally by a wide margin. Um, the share of uh, female executives is also increasing which is uh, reassuring, uh, but not at the same rate. Uh, I think what the difference is that on a board level, we actually had the fund management industry get very much involved and pressure the companies to increase the share of women on the boards. I think the next step for them to work on would be also to increase the share on the executive level. And as I've mentioned before, if you look at the... The share of female uh, CEOs, it's uh, it's terrible. Um, and, and also, as, as Renee said, we've also tried to do studies on this to see if it you know impacts performance of the company. You can't do it because there are too few. Um, so I think for the owners of listed stock, I think this would be the next step, the next thing to, to look into and, and try to address. So Lena is pointing out that there are actually too little women CEOs to actually evaluate what the impact is on, on shareholder value or what the impact is on the company. And then Renee is saying something very interesting as a response. Let's listen to Renee. So my personal view on this um, is that you have to define what your objective is and then you figure out what is the tool to reach the objective. Okay. Um, now, if your objective is to increase women's representation, then a quota is clearly an effective tool to increase women's representation, right? But if your objective is to, um, you know, increase shareholder value, you know, then um, a quota, I would argue, is not the right tool to increase shareholder value. So, um, so I think one problem in this whole discussion about quotas is um, that people are mixing up, they're not clearly defining their objective and people are mixing up sort of like um, rationales um, that by the way are based on often very flimsy research, um, you know, like the business case argument for uh, women's representation and boards, um, I could do a whole nother thing on that, right? Um, but, uh, you know, we shouldn't have to justify women's representation on the basis of shareholder value improvements. Um, if, if you're about um, solving inequality, then yes, quotas are effective. But if you want a different thing, then quotas may not be effective. So after hearing that, Marike, would you say there is a business case argument for more women representation? I personally believe in the long run, it is uh, good for a company to have a more diverse um, group of people with different uh, angles and different ideas. It might be true that in the short run, uh, transitioning from, yeah, making a structural change can of course uh, create short-term uh, losses. And 
the the risk if you would completely motivate your change like your argument to have more women based on that it must increase shareholder value even in the short run i think the risk with that uh that that kind of reasoning is that maybe in the short run and the evidence in the literature actually is not overwhelming we there's very mixed results and often you see actually in the literature that there are uh, short-run degrees in the shareholder value that that might backfire no so then you would say okay you should do it because it's good for your shareholder value then they look at that and it's not true and then they might have an argument to say okay we so hence we should not put more females in the executive branch and so i think if you want to motivate for a better represent or more diversity i think it's it might be more appealing to do this on moral grounds or a mixture that you would say okay we just want uh, we think it's fair that there is a better diversity in the executive branch and then in the long run this will lead to an increase in shareholder value so there is a recent working paper (coughs) published by the nber the national bureau of economic research by uh, marina gertzberg johanna mollerstrom and michaela pegel and they study the gender quotas in California that that were implemented in California. And what I thought is very interesting uh, about this paper is that they actually look at this, like they also find that uh, the shareholder value in the short run decreases. But when they dig deeper into the data, what they find is that the um, shareholders uh, not only anticipate this structural change and the firms that experience this decrease in their shareholder value, they also are the firms where there is more uh, dysfunctionality in the board. So the shareholders might anticipate not only this uh, structural change forced by the quota, but they also anticipate that this in these specific firms, this might really lead to dysfunctionality because they have these firms have a history of promoting board members with lower support than the other firms. So that is an interesting finding and might nuance the argument a little bit more. So you could actually think about, you know, there is a heterogeneous set of firms. For some firms, it might be more smooth to transition Uh, or to comply to the quotas than for other firms. And that basically depends on how you functioned, no surprise, before the quotas um, were implemented. Yeah, so I mean, there is research, there is a story out there that you need at least three women uh, to uh, change anything. Um, So I'm a big believer in the power of selection. Uh, so I have uh, a lot of work uh, looking at uh, female leaders. So I think um, female leaders, you know, because they had to overcome many barriers to reach their positions. Um, really, if you have one, you can have a lot of change, right? So um, so I don't think that the story, and, you know, I, I think it's also important, you know, not to take away power from 
the one woman who's there, right? So, you know, so the story exists, but I don't think it's as important as people say it is. But I also do think um, that what you say is that the more women there are, um, the more that one can change, for example, the structure of work. Um, and so, you know, I think this is really an important issue, especially in the finance sector, um, because the structure of work and finance is very different from the structure of work in other sectors. And I think this is one of the key things um, that, that's difficult for women. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't have um, a lot of work on this because this area is actually quite new looking at this topic in terms of research. But um, just to give you one finding that you may think is fun. Um, so I have some work looking at uh, whether directors show up to board meetings. And um, what we find is uh, women show up to board meetings more than men do. Um, but the men show up more, the more women are on the board. Um, and so that suggests that the more women you have on the board, uh, there is a change in culture that leads the men to show up more, right? So that is actually consistent uh, with uh, your um, observation that having more women can really change things. Um, and I did want to just briefly uh, mention Lena's point about the female CEOs. So this, this actually is a really fundamental uh, issue. Um, and so in our work, uh, what I showed you was basically non-executive director representation um, if we look at the executives, the picture is completely different. Um, and one problem is there are so few, so few female executives that you can't even run the regression, right? Um, and so we really, we don't even know the first thing about uh, what it takes to get uh, women into executive uh, positions. Um, and one important thing uh, that's, I think, also getting back to this quota issue is that the quotas don't cut it for management level. Quotas help get women on boards as non-executives, but they do not help solve the problem or very, very indirectly, they don't solve the problem of women's representation among the executive ranks. To sum up uh, the discussion about quotas is that, of course, Quotas may be effective uh, or are effective if you mechanically wish to increase diversity, but I think it is important to um, acknowledge what your goal is because the, the goal is probably not that for a company or rather um, increase shareholder value. So the business case. Uh, might not be that clear for uh, implementing a quota in the short run. Let's move over to culture within the industry and uh, within a company. So I think that the perception about the culture among potential female employees of the financial markets and in particular trading floors are not the best. In my experience, and I have 15 years myself on trading floors, uh, women, and maybe specifically the young women, are a bit reluctant to apply to environments such as markets because of the reputation being that it's a harsh place to work. Male-dominated with a rough language and somewhat degrading attitude towards women. And again, I'm saying that this is a perception. And maybe things have changed to the better, but during my years at the trading floor, the language used and sometimes the attitude could be described as degrading towards women. 
I have even had comments that women are not cut out for the environment on the trading floor. This is of course not true, but how can we change that so that women feel really comfortable in that they really belong here? Do we need to challenge the leaders more? Lena has some views on this. I think there has been a change in culture, but I also think there's much more that we can do. Because if you look at the financial industry, it's a lot of competition for the talent pool that we have. Everybody's trying to poach the best from each other. And, you know, the jobs are fairly similar at the different firms. So people leave for money. Um, and then it's really costly if you have a high personnel turnover uh, and you have to buy back people. I think to get the culture right, that's what really, really makes a difference. That's what makes people thrive and stay in your organization. And that also keeps you know your recruitment costs down and, and makes the team work. I think that's where the industry has gone wrong in the past and still is not very good. Uh, you have to look after the talent you have and especially the female talent because if you once you start to lose the ones you have it's a very negative signal internally that you can't keep them but also they leave because they're unhappy and then that would be a signal externally that you're not very good uh, with your culture and taking care of your female employees so I really, really think that rather than just looking outside, what can we do? What can we recruit? How can we bring in more people? You have to start to look inside. How do we take care of the ones and promote the ones we have? So we need to start to work with a more inclusive leadership model. Is there such a thing today? Maria Jansson at Swedbank has this to say about it. I think it's a culture question. And it comes from the top and down. I think uh, we need our CEOs and boards to, to focus on a culture where women and men want to work. And then it trickles down from the top. Um, I have managers who support me when I really drive this question. And I think that is uh, super important that you build a culture that is, it can be really competitive, tough, but it has to be nice. And it goes for men and women. You have to treat each other with respect and you have to take out the examples where this doesn't work. You have to be really harsh and make a, a statement that this is not okay here. And I also think that dealing room cultures, we always speak it so hard and I think that has been a tremendous change. I dare to say we don't have any major issues now in the dealing room at my bank at all. I mean, it's... Um, I would be really shocked and surprised. And we usually go and ask. Once in a while, I, I have a lunch meeting with the young women we bring in and ask them, what do you see? What do you feel? Because also you get a bit, uh, what do you say? <laughs> You've been here for so long, so sometimes you don't even see things anymore. So you have to ask the new generation what they think. Marika, do you think it's enough just to talk about being nice? Or do we need measuring to make a true change? Yes, and again here I'm going to lean uh, on what Anna Steinberg said in our previous event. So she was arguing that you need KPIs, so performance indicators, and that especially individuals who work in the financial sector tend to really respond to pecuniary incentives. So if you would evaluate your personnel, your managers, on, for example, how well they are able to retain 
women in their group, then I think that gives them an incentive to figure out that if one of their employees tells them that they are switching to another firm, that they try to figure out why it is that this person leaves and if there's anything within their group that they could uh, prevent a female of leaving, I think those incentives are more effective than telling the goal of having a better culture. So putting a KPI on the number of women that you hire, but also putting a KPI on retaining those women. Elizabeth Besco at DMB, she has been working a bit with this already. Yes, I, if, if I look into the, uh, the number of females now, DNB is not a large bank in, in, uh, in, in Sweden, but if I look into the number of women that we have uh, recruited uh, over the last two years, it has actually increased with 45%. So, of course, when you start to measure, things happen. And I think that is the, the, the most important thing. And, and, and I started very slowly just to follow up. Uh, not uh, just put up the KPIs to follow. How does it look like? How the organization, the level of manager, the level of specialist. Uh, we have an inclusion index that we follow in the bank uh, also. And 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 with this focus, I've been having on this these targets. Uh, the inclusion index has increased. And I also actually use this crisis to to discuss this a lot because I think that you know. Culture is the only thing that can't be copied. As Lena said, like, it doesn't really change if you work with Swedbank, Danske Bank, Kanegi or DNB or SB. It's the same type of work and the only thing we do is to, to pay up. Uh, so I think that going forward, culture will be extremely important to recruit the, the women uh, of the industry. So Marke, is there something that you feel like we should bring forward to our next discussion that we felt like we didn't really dig deep enough into, that we didn't get replies on? Yeah, I think there is this tension between if you have representatives of the industry in your panel, I understand that they are representing their company. So for them to be critical about their own culture or their their own um, recruitment standards that is kind of difficult if you I mean if you ask me honestly I thought they were pretty optimistic about their industry and and the current environment which to me is a little bit in contradiction with the number of women working in their industry no so for me it could have been a little bit more alarming like okay why do we still have so little women working in this industry why don't we see a big improvement what yeah. is standing in the way so you're saying basically that there's a discrepancy between the statistics what that is showing and what yeah. they are saying in the industry yeah in the yeah. panel it sound if you solely would listen to the answers of the panel my takeaway was okay you see that that it could be better but if you look at the statistics and the improvement over the years or the lack of improvement i would say we need some radical change and not the status quo
Thank you, Marika. Back, for back at you, Sarah. Sitting here discussing this with me. If you want to hear more from uh, Swedish House of Finance, you find uh, more podcasts from us where you listen to podcasts. If you're interested in this topic, Women in Finance, we at the Swedish House of Finance have gathered all our events, research and podcasts. Visit our homepage, houseoffinance.se. We're very happy that you listened in today. Um, thank you very much and talk to you soon. For our listeners who'd like to hear more from us, you can find more podcasts and seminar videos on houseoffinance.se. Don't forget to rate our podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts.